Welcome to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively captures insightful conversations with people contributing to advancement of space activities in India. The New Space India podcast is pleased to announce our association with Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing business and people with collaborative virtual environments to imagine sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups small and medium sized enterprises and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellite propulsion recently a supply chain digitization study with dassault systems was conducted to provide a foundational understanding of the supplier landscape in the indian space ecosystem please use the link in the description to download the public white paper of the results of this study which will also give you a perspective on how ready indian suppliers are to enter the global space market in this episode we have chirag doshi the ceo and managing director of valchanagar industries giving an overview of how valchanagar has been contributing to the indian space program over the last 50 years and diversified itself from being present in sugar plants cement plants boilers heavy duty gears to becoming a tier 1 supplier to the aerospace industry in india hi chirag welcome to the show hi narayan thank you for having me on this show and it's quite an honor to be here so valchanagar is you know one of the first brands that i recognize when it comes to the supplier base of isro and you know your contribution to the indian space program over the last uh, 50 years or so so it's a very exciting you know uh, phenomena that you could be one of the early industry participants to work with isro in maturing the space program so i wanted to take time with you to understand you know how was your journey in the progress uh, since the 70s and to kick off this conversation you know let's begin with uh, you telling us the history of uh, valchanagar and you know how the journey began uh, who are the people involved and you know your early days Yeah sure I mean you know obviously it's a very interesting story about how Valchanagar you know ultimately got into the uh, into the business of helping uh, the country uh, develop its sort of space program you know and obviously it starts from the the you know the philosophy that our founder you know always had and and, and as you may know Valchan Hirachan was a pre-independent India industrialist who really uh worked with a lot of other industrialists to uh make india self sufficient and that is really that is really the philosophy that valchanagar has lived by uh for more than 120 odd years now 110 years now and so while while he was sort of focusing on doing uh sugar cement power and you know that's how the sort of the history of the company started where we became a sugar machinery equipment manufacturer then a power equipment manufacturer and all of this kind of stemmed from the fact that india must become self sufficient once we become independent and not have to depend on others going forward and you know prime minister modi's atmanirbhar bharat concept today really uh, evolves from this kind of a thinking and so so while we were you know in the 60s probably india's premier engineering and design company um that was the time in the late 60s early 70s that uh, india started thinking about becoming a self sufficient power in 
space research in uh, defense and in nuclear power generation and uh, you know all of these three were sort of integrated at that time and while the government knew that they couldn't do this all on their own through public sector enterprise they needed a couple of companies from the private sector that they could work with to help them uh, really start this journey and i think the number one thing in this was secrecy right at that time they didn't want anyone to know in, in the united states of america or even on the russian side although I, russia and india were friends at that time but really the rest of the world didn't need to know what india was doing and so they needed firms that they could trust with with design with engineering with technology and um, so the interesting story is that um, you know in 1973 um, there was a gentleman by the name of uh, shri shashi kumar who was a scientist at vsse and he visited walchandagar in 1971 1972 maybe and he came here and he saw infrastructure and he said you know what this is a company that can work with us and with our sort of nation building history and patriotic angle of walchandagar they looked at a company that could really work closely and shri abdul kalam ji was a was a uh, he was a, um what 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 shall i say he was a senior scientist or a research scientist in drdo at the time and his first visit to walchandagar was in 1971 or 1972 as a research scientist and he really started the privatization of india's program by giving walchandagar its first job so so that's how it started the slv3 was the was the launch vehicle that we worked on and that was really the 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 first what shall i say the drop of how we really got into uh, then evolving over 50 years in india's space program so i always say this you know walchand hirachand may be our founder but i think dr abdul kalam was truly our godfather when it came to uh you know walchandagar entering the space program uh, you know with in india so that's the history right and what was the motivation for the isro guys to come to you for example because you know they could have as well said we will do everything by ourselves we will employ more and more engineers in our sector we will import machinery from abroad and we will keep everything under secrecy and why should they get uh, you know a private company or even a public you know publicly traded company in your case for example involved you know, i think i think secrecy was one of the big issues there i think i'm not sure everything that happened in the public sector stayed secret all the time and i think um i think they required more hands on deck uh, you know just generally brighter smarter more intelligent people to be also participating with with their designers and their engineers i think of course i was not there at the time but i've had many conversations with my father on this and i think i think the i think the logic was that uh, organizations at that time the drdos and the isros uh, or vsse at that time they were filled with extremely intelligent scientists right and they could they could create they could design they could they could know they can even today make anything we wanted but on paper and how do you 
bring it from paper to reality i think they realized that heavy fabrication and manufacturing companies like ours that had the that had the 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 brain power of the the planner the the machinist the you know the 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 the, the manufacturing engineering guys the industrial engineering guys to put paper to actual product manufacturing doing the r&d creating the pilot i think that had to be done at a private sector level uh if they wanted to do it quickly secretly and scale it up i mean of course the scale up has only just happened but i mean ultimately the plan was that we needed to scale this up completely so i think that was the motivation of of moving this from a just a public sector project into a public private partnership which is what it's really been for the last uh, 50 years so i think that was the motivation to to sort of blend two strengths something they didn't have and something we had and bring it together and prove that these two teams could work together to make this happen so i think that was really the motivation more than anything else right and the early days uh, it was the design capabilities of isro alongside uh, you know them depending on your uh, manufacturing capabilities or what which was the earliest uh, projects and you know what was the mode of uh, engagement yeah so so i if if we had to break it up really simply uh, they were doing all the design and we spent the first i would say 6 to 8 years or even 10 years really only making things like toolings jigs fixtures uh you know anything that was required from a from a method from a methoding and a manufacturing perspective uh welding technologies i mean we had no clue about the kind of materials that were to be used uh at the time of you know launching these vehicles and and the kind of material that we use today even uh my team here in walchanagar is doing research and development 3 years in advance 4 years in advance i mean materials that we may want to use 2 3 years later we are working on today right so at that time in the 1970s we were clueless not just us but the entire country was was clueless about the kind of metallurgy that may be required and the amount of time and energy and effort that went into developing those processes was really where most of the time and then of course a lot of time was uh, was spent in documentation inspection testing uh before we could even put that first launch vehicle in place in space right so uh, at least the first one that we worked on was the SLV3 and you know as as you know you wrote in your in your mail to me and as we have seen the you know the first vehicle took like 8 9 years to make one vehicle and it was such a tiny vehicle just because we needed to get the we need to get the manufacturing and the and the welding and the jigs and the fixtures and all of that perfect so that there would not be failure today and then once we got that perfected then it would make it much easier for us to uh scale up the manufacturing going forward right so i think that was the the first decade of engagement was just that uh in my opinion absolutely and that's very interesting because uh, you know at this point of time even today getting contracts from isro and the contracting mechanism was also extremely difficult if you have to develop something with them uh, how was the collaboration then because of course you know you're doing something very risky there's a very high chance of failure 
it's not a procurement order directly where you can you know build to some heritage or build to quality and say you know we are producing this and we can assure quality right so how was the risk sharing mechanism put into place yeah i think i think uh, all credit and you know anyone who sits here and says that it is difficult and impossible to work with government agencies should come and have a conversation with me because i mean drdo isro from that day till today most magnificent partners anyone could ask for they have held our hand i would say all the way through the 50 years that we've been associated in those first 10 15 years the hand holding was far more than it is today because obviously we are we are much more uh, mature as an organization today but at that time it required uh, them to do capital investment because obviously we didn't have the wherewithal to be able to do uh uh investment in 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 the kind of infrastructure that was going to be needed so they were absolutely open in in supporting us with capital expenditure with setting up facilities for us over here in walchandnagar um all material procurement was done by them so working capital was not tied up uh which continues today too by the way that uh, they do pretty much all of the material procurement because of the you know they can buy at scale and and the materials are very very unique and not easy to to find um but they were and you know so much communication so much uh, uh what shall i say um uh, openness to to get feedback from a private sector player you know you sometimes you'd feel like i know it and and you have to do it my way but they realize that for this to be successful uh they have to be open to listening to what comes from our side and that openness has remained even today i mean there is a reason why we have had what two failures in 50 years of launches and not one of those failures was uh was fatal from a human perspective and it was caught early and it had nothing to do with the fabrication of the of the launch vehicle right so you know that the communication and relationship that we had built um over these 50 years and what was done in the initial 10 15 years is really what built the foundation for that level of trust and and like you said it's it's very difficult to get jobs from isro today and the logic is that that when walchandnagar when isro and walchandnagar have worked together from the beginning to build out all of this infrastructure here and the uh, and the um, uh you know the the technologies the welding the the jigs fixtures toolings have all been built for them and there has never been a failure yet touch wood why would we want to go anywhere else right and and and, and you, when it when it ain't broke you don't need to fix it and you that's what true partnership and what true public private partnership is all about and i'm hoping that through the atmanirbhar bharat scheme and all that has been announced over the last you know few months by prime minister modi that all agencies all over the country will now work with their private sector partners in a and use this model the isro walchand model as a you know benchmark for what private public private partnership in this country really means in my opinion absolutely i mean that's very very interesting insight uh, from a you know, historical perspective as such uh, so can you give a estimate on how actually the business has evolved not just before isro even pre isro collaboration uh what percentage of uh, business does space 
make up for your you know overall business at the moment and how it's evolved over the last 50 years yeah sure i mean you know before 1972 the entire uh, turnover and uh, of our business was only from sugar uh, machinery and cement machinery that's it right and um, uh, even through most of the 70s 80s 90s i would say up to 2013 14 uh, our uh, nearly 80% of our turnover and business was from what we call our legacy epc business right sugar equipment uh, power equipment cement machinery and really only 15 20% of our turnover was from our what we call our strategic businesses which is uh, not just space but uh, defense and uh, nuclear and um, uh, what we realized is that actually our core strength lies in the in the high value added business of uh, you know manufacturing and fabrication and so if you go to today uh, nearly 90% of my turnover comes from defense aerospace nuclear and gearboxes uh, and maybe 10% comes from our legacy businesses which are now only products which is our cement business and our uh, sugar centrifugal business so the whole model has shifted completely uh but the reason the model also shifted is because isro also embarked on a plan of of scalability right uh, as you know uh, through the 70s 80s 90s and 2000s they were doing like one launch every well first it was one launch every 6 7 8 years and then it moved to one launch every 3 4 years to you know one launch every 2 years and only in 2013 14 15 did they really start seeing the value and the benefit that india can provide to the world by the fact that we are probably not probably we are most definitely the cheapest you know launch vehicle manufacturer in the world N- not just the cheapest but the safest and now it becomes a business model for the government and for isro to 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 scale this up and so when they approached us uh, you know saying guys you need to scale up and uh, and we are going to do six launches a year um, we didn't believe it at first and 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 they've done it and you know kudos to them and and we've also had to sort of ramp up our our business to make that happen for them and now you know we're talking about 12 launches a year 18 launches a year human flight mission of course we've done mangalyaan we've done chandrayaan we've done all the gslvs uh, that have gone up in in that so so in fact it was isro and npcil and drdo that in fact helped us relook at our business model and revamp our entire portfolio uh, to now be a pure play space defense nuclear heavy manufacturing company right we we've kind of even shared a lot of our legacy businesses permanently right and when you talked about this evolution uh, to volumes uh, you talked about you know how you started from jigs and fixtures and then you know moving up uh, so can you talk from a technology delivery perspective as to you know starting from jigs and fixtures to what is the transition to now so so the technology has has evolved by and large as a um uh, fallout of whatever design changes happen at the isro level right so over the last 40 50 years i mean the creation of more toolings more jigs more fixtures is ongoing 
I think the maximum amount of technology um, scalability that has happened is in the welding uh, side of it. So we have invested, um, I would say, close to um, in the last 10 years, uh, six years, I would say we've invested close to 55, 60 crores of rupees. So maybe about eight, nine million dollars in just developing special purpose machines and welding stations to take care of all the multiple materials that we are working with, right? And that has been the biggest um, impact that I would say, which which a lot of companies in India have not been able to deliver to, to, uh, to ISRO that we have been able to, that we have been able to successfully uh, manage every single challenge that they've thrown at us when it comes to the different materials that they want to work with. And, um, and, and so that has been the biggest technology, technology enhancement, besides the fact that we have put in nearly, uh, another 50, 100, 50, 80 crores in, in, uh, machine capacity, which has evolved substantially, um, so that we could do the scale part of it, right? We wanted to make sure that we could deliver them six, seven segments per year when we were earlier de delivering one. And so that's where the maximum investment has come, manpower training, of course. Today, as we speak, 45% of all my resources in my company are focused only on the aerospace business, which you know maybe 10 years ago may have been only 10, 15%. So that's the kind of scaling that we've done to cater to their desire to want to scale from a technology. And now, of course, the next stage that we are going to be working on is composites. And I know many people have already got a head start on the composite side, uh, maybe for airplanes and uh, you know uh, automobiles and things like that. But the composite need, composites need at a you know aerospace level are completely different and much more challenging. And we are in fact in the process of putting together an investment plan to you know to to start our own sort of composites. Uh, Composites play and 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 this this continues with the theme that we want to be five years ahead, right? What's going to be the material that's going to be used four five years from now? And I I don't think anyone will debate that 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 the world is moving from metal to composite um, for a launch vehicle requirement. So so that's the next play the way the way I see it. Right. And in fact, we have a very interesting question from a person from the New Space India community, specifically on some of the rocket motor casings uh, stuff that you guys work on. Uh, this person has basically asked, you know, if uh, the manufacturing processes of these uh, motor casings have improved over time based on ISRO's inputs. And, uh, you know, what is the kind of, uh, um, you know, processes that you have to get around welding defects uh, and you know, also perhaps uh, some of the rejection rate that you have for these, and you know, how do you see any composite motor cases uh, being produced in the coming years? Yeah, so absolutely, great question. And uh, so, just on the first on the first half of the question on the rocket motor casings, so yes, that's exactly what we do. That is our you know bread and butter, and um, uh, the manufacturing processes have improved over time both ways because like i said at the beginning isro depends on us to give them feedback on how to improve the 
product and the manufacturing ease of making those rocket motor casings so that's really you know it all kind of boil uh, comes together right that's why we work on the welding on the material 2 3 years in advance so that all these rejections and welding uh, failures need to happen at that time not when the order actually comes uh having said that as you know whoever has asked that question is obviously uh, quite clued in on welding as a you know as a process and there are bound to be uh, uh welding uh failures that happened even during the time of uh, of of making the 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 motor casing it's very low our welding our you know our welding rejection rates are in single digits if you know if if even that much so a uh, percentage i mean and and especially with the creative materials that we work with but uh, you know we have a very very robust not us isro and us together a very robust inspection process so that's what takes time more than the actual fabrication and machining of the casing that we constantly have to stop and measure and inspect to make sure we don't move to the next step without making sure that you know there are no rejections so so that has been the uh, the the challenge and the process and it has it has improved substantially in speed and time not just because of the um, uh, design changes but also the comfort that isro has also got and therefore they reduce your tolerances a little bit give you a little more leeway from a machining perspective the number of inspections reduce once you get more comfortable making a particular item and as those processes change and improve um it allows for a much faster uh, execution process on the rocket motor casing so that's the first part of the question and part two absolutely i just spoke about it i'm not sure if rocket motor casings and the most critical components of those rocket motor casings will move to composites that quickly um because it's too crucial a part of the of the launch vehicle for it to move to composites but there are many other parts of the of the of the launch vehicle around the rocket motor casings and above the rocket motor casings that can definitely move to a composite space so so what we will do with the composites business is we'll enhance our portfolio not eat into our portfolio yet but ultimately yes i'm quite sure that we will cannibalize our own business uh when we get into the composite space to to uh, you know to 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 move more towards the composite side so yeah good question and how is it that uh, you know isro uh, has been kind of uh, working with you on analyzing failure and you know making sure uh, what are the process that say set into place in uh, in all of this to handle failure and to learn from all of it because of course you know since processes evolve over the last 50 years you might have a very deep history on how do you make sure that uh, you know engineering stuff uh, evolves to have high reliability can you give some examples on you know this process that they set into place to make sure failure is contained yeah sure so i mean uh, well luckily we've never had a failure situation at a launch vehicle level so we don't we've we've never had to deal with that um, with that with that issue but um uh, i think the the way they've dealt with it is first of all we have um uh, we have people from inspection agencies living with us in walchanagar 24 hours 7 so we've given them homes here and uh, they live here on campus 
all the time and uh, so we have a day to day interaction with their you know with their people on the shop floor um our documentation process is extremely robust and of course in the olden days it was all on paper but now we use methods of you know everything's online it's it's real time in the sense that when there's a potential uh, machining or welding failure on the shop floor it's photographed it's it's uh, written up and it's put on the system immediately they get to see it that very moment there's video conferencing facilities that we now have between each other where we talk uh, daily their inspection uh, engineer here and our team speak and and then there's a very very time consuming and very detailed uh, process of root cause analysis and then you know changing the design at the isro level if need be or changing the process at the valchanagar level if need be and then that is put into the system it is tested again before that item is then released for further um, further um, uh, processing so uh, actually mistakes and failures can be extremely costly not from a money perspective but from a timeline perspective and so hence the need to be insanely a perfectionist on the shop floor well in advance because the impact of basic manufacturing or welding failure can lead to a postponement of a launch which valchanagar never wants to be responsible for so so it's a very 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 deep and robust process to ensure failures don't happen but it's not like they never do and when they do they are dealt with in a very very collaborative manner i think the i think the advantage of having a person living here full time makes it that much more uh, uh, quicker and uh, uh, and robust and you did talk about you know the scaling from slv to pslv to gslv and so on and also the other part of scaling that you talked about is volume production from once every 6 years or to 12 or 18 every year so there are two scaling factors that come into play the size and the volume what has been your experience of going through that so it's been actually it's it's been exciting uh, you know it's been challenging of course because i mean you know we're talking about uh, diameter diameter size changes we're talking about tonnage changes we're talking about material changes and then we are talking about numbers increasing like you said right so it's been extremely challenging but i think uh, it's also been a very very exciting journey because we see um we we see the game changing work that we are doing right and and uh, it takes time it's taken a lot of investment and a lot of effort um uh, it's sort of taken a lot of capital but you know because of the scaling we now see huge return from that so so i would say in the first 40 years of being associated with isro we made no money in fact we may have lost money uh but you know what that you know the the aim was was not just about making money it was about it was about being there for the nation right and now we see the scaling giving us a return on our investment and uh, and we want to keep investing and we want to keep doing new things and and the beauty of this whole exercise is that while the while the scaling is happening whether it's a 
you know, whether it, like you said, it's whether it's going from PSLV to GSLV, now GSLV Mark two or three or whatever it is, and then now the Gaganyan uh, project. What we are also seeing is the opportunity for us to get into new areas that we could that we earlier never thought about, right? So um, with the Gaganyan project, the pod in which the astronauts are going to sit, right? We were that is one of the most critical components that has to be put in the on the top of that launch vehicle, which never was a which never was needed in the past. So now, how do we work with ISRO to figure that out, design it, make it? What will it be made out of? How will we, you know, manufacture it? So there's there's a huge amount of new opportunities that are coming from this uh, this uh, uh, this whole this whole space scaling up uh, um, uh, business, and uh, it's 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 extremely exciting and a uh, little bit overwhelming because you feel like wanting to dive into everything. And you know that that may not be the best strategy to use, and to sort of stick to what we know best, and uh, figure out figure out which are the areas that we can really add value, uh, where Walchanagar really excels, and not try and do you know too many things uh, in the excitement of the growth and euphoria of of like you said, new space India. Right, and does the quality constraints, the processes, and you know the reliability of you know having a human-rated rocket, and you know the Gaganyaan project itself, how aggressive or how difficult it is considering the usual PSLV, GSLV stuff? Yeah, it's much more. I mean, it is. Uh, it's at it's at uh, you know, ten uh, x levels of uh, of of quality checks, of inspections, of uh, you know every little thing is now looked at. Ten times more deeply, um, because we are now risking lives. Uh, earlier, we were never risking lives, right? It was all a, a unmanned uh, program, and uh, and 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 it should be that way. Uh, you know, I, I walk around my shop floor and I talk to I talk to our workers here, and I and the only thing I can tell them is that you know you should when you work on this this project. the one thing that you must always remember that it's your child that's in that spaceship or in that launch vehicle and and that is what drives people's juices to say mera bachcha wahan upar ja raha hoga to main kaise kaam karunga and uh, and so and so that's really but it is it, it, the government isro us we are all looking at this project as a extremely deeply and it has to really go off better than any of our previous launches and the quality levels of the product that we supply for gaganyan have to be the best we've ever supplied and we've supplied the best already so how are we pushing our teams you know we have a separate quality team just for that project uh, their focus is only on those equipments we have a uh, uh, lot of training lot of uh, um, uh, pre preparatory work that has gone into training everyone on the shop floor on the importance of this project the entire gaganyan team from isro has come to walchanagar and spent two days with us explaining the 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 changes that will be there in this launch vehicle versus the versus the ones in the past and i think we're all in and all aligned uh, to to the um you know we are, we are, we are, we are putting up a brand new uh, ppt facility just for that project it's a i think a 13 15 crore uh, capital asset and it is a 
it's a separate location in my plant which will only do uh, pressure testing for all the components that go only for gaganyaan and for all other launch vehicles are in a different facility so so everything is different because of the size scale and importance of um, of uh, of this project yeah so you did you know start collaborating at very early days you talked about like the secrecy that was needed at that point of time was there a deep impact of um, sanctions or you know trade barriers or anything like that uh, you know because um, india was not a as accepted as it is today with us and other countries yeah of course there was i mean nothing to do with isro but when we did the when we did the pokhran test uh, uh, you know in 19 when was it 74 75 80 whenever it was and we and we did the the, the nuclear tests obviously we were one of the one of the uh, companies that built uh, components for the for you know our all, even today we build for all our nuclear reactors in india uh, you know the civilian ones and and uh, we make missiles and we make lot of defense equipment and and so in the 80s we um, we were part of that uh, blacklist that the that the us uh, did uh, issue where us and larsen and tubro and uh, maybe there were two three other private sector companies maybe uh, maybe godrej and boys as well uh, where we were blacklisted for a number of years where we couldn't export to uh, to the united states of america and a couple of you know some other countries but you know what it didn't affect us much because we didn't have much of an export business um, uh, at that time and our export business was mainly to uh, uh, eastern africa for sugar for sugar equipment and that continued so so yeah okay prevented us from traveling uh, to the united states for a few years till our, till that blacklist was removed or that you know whatever that blockade was removed but um, i think this was all part and parcel of being a nation a patriotic nation nation building company um, it's it's exactly like it was pre independence uh, uh, india where you know my grandfather and my grand uncle had to face what they had to face with the british we took it in our stride that that we are building something great for our country and that's all that matters but you know now there's nothing to worry about so as you see you know the transition has been that you know since you are involved since the early days the risk of ip generation has been with isro and it's the case with many other companies including you know godrej and boys and lnt and many others the early partners of isro uh, have had to rely on isro engineers developing a lot of the ip and act as manufacturing partners over time to deliver the capability and you know one of the things that i foresee for india to evolve is companies like you to become product level owners like where you control yeah. the complete ip and you are able to then export a lot of this to other markets as yeah. well so how difficult is the transition has the transition been already happening with you guys and what do you see there well no uh, so you're right the ip today of all designs rest with isro but manufacturing ip doesn't rest with isro that's with me uh yeah we may share our drawings but we don't share all our all our toolings and and jigs and fixtures and manufacturing drawings with them and we've made it very clear that that all process uh drawings will remain with us because tomorrow i would never I, you can't you know you can just give everything to some fourth party who will just start manufacturing of course not so easy but so that remains with us and i mean i think the government is also uh, quite cognizant of the fact that uh, that 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 companies need to start developing their own products and their own ip 
we haven't started yet but it is part of my part of my mission and sort of agenda over the next 5 to 10 years for the walchandagar to become a product uh, creation company uh, in not just space but in many of our uh, divisions um i think the new space uh, program rules uh, that have just been announced whatever 6 8 10 months ago is going to lend itself to a lot of entrepreneurship in the in the you know in 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 the space program um i spoke maybe 4 5 months ago at a seminar where we talked about this and um and i and i am a big believer and a big proponent of supporting a lot of these uh startup companies rather than walchandagar trying to do this ourselves um so i've had lot of discussions with a lot of companies that are in startup mode today uh, some of them want to make launch vehicles uh small satellite launch vehicles so to be you know in in sort of uh, near or you know in lower orbit not in upper orbit and we've talked to many of them to either make an investment or or do some bootstrapping where we can manufacture their launch vehicles for them uh and and uh, we've talked with people who are doing satellites we've talked with people who are doing other types of components we've talked so there's there's a i think there's most definitely a um uh environment being created already in india of people who are uh young people who can drive this forward i think i think walchandagar is from that perspective yes we are a very innovative company from a manufacturing side but i would like to think that i would rather look at maybe bringing in youngsters who are already in startup mode and maybe bringing them under the walchandagar umbrella uh, and allowing them to work independently to create these these ip ip level products going forward but i think that is the future i think isro has understood it that they can't do every single launch vehicle in the you know out of india they have huge infrastructure which they need to use and so by allowing people to now build their own uh, launch vehicles and other uh, space research uh, components um you allow them to use your infrastructure and and and, and you know there's a, a again a, a public private partnership and the way they nurtured us for 30 40 years my dream is that i should be able to nurture three four five young entrepreneurs um over the next 20 25 years to build out that that business and you know if there can be a spacex and an elon musk in america i don't see why there can't be three in india right uh, and that's the dream that people should have and fight with um and and walchandagar will 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 most definitely be driving for it uh either internally or through a sort of a um to create that you know that that i don't know what the word i'm looking for is but the environment i would say for young people to 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 thrive uh, with us kudos to you you know for such uh, vision and such uh, you know perspective in that sense so you did talk about you know how isro supported you in the early days in you know some of this materials and capital in, in, in uh, investment and so on what would it take in terms of change in mechanisms that we have today to have companies do products in india with either isro or other government institution make uh, funding or you know new schemes or new procurement mechanisms for product level stuff to come out of india yeah 
so i think the i think i think the where the problem lies in india is that the government needs to come up with a uh, much more free based uh you know a policy that encourages young people to become entrepreneurs and make mistakes right i think the whole uh, i think the whole uh, taxation policy licensing policy permissions policies uh funding policies all need to be drastically changed and a lot of the bureaucracy to be removed if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a new business right that is i think that is the challenge that most people face and it it's what it's what frustrates people and drives them away from wanting to take the time and energy and effort to spend 3 4 5 years creating a product right and um, and i think i think organizations like isro uh, i think now they are putting together uh, uh, some funds uh where they should have a sort of a uh friends and family type angel investing uh a uh, fund which they can give money to to various people who are doing projects i think a little bit of that is now happening uh but i think it's more the bureaucracy and the tax the tax policies uh you know angel tax and i don't know what other taxes there are in this country that are really dissuading people from from uh really uh putting their energies into building um uh, these new age businesses so i would i would urge the government and uh, you know all people involved to really remove all of these restraints from uh from the whole policy document and structure so that people can be free to sort of start their own businesses be free to fail and be free to stand up again and 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 continue the journey right and you know that that isro through their agency should support these people uh with some sort of a you know i don't know you call it a call it a prize or a fund or whatever it may be there are some procurement innovation happening in many other sorry countries. sorry 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 narayan one more point because you addressed it academia i think there needs to be much more deeper engagement between isro our big institutes and not just entrepreneurs because i think entrepreneurs are doing it they are you know they are graduating out of the iits or the nits and and all of these engineering companies and their professors there are engaging with them and giving them uh, advice you know advisory board and things like that to nurture them to develop things but i think i think established industry like us does not spend enough time uh with academia and isro three of us together in 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 doing a lot of research uh, uh in doing a lot of research for next generation ip gener- uh, product and ip generation right i am a graduate of university of michigan and and i i know what the aerospace engineering department at the university of michigan over there is doing with regards to new technologies on thrust and uh you know using electric uh, uh from a thrust and saving of fuel and things like that i mean it's amazing the kind of work that comes out of academia so i think that needs to become also a big focus uh you know for all of us so sorry i just wanted to add that in right and 
one of the things there is uh, procurement innovation in terms of uh, let's say incentivizing investment uh, alongside industry and for example you know there are schemes in singapore for example where the government will say that if you as a mature industry is going to invest in a startup for example right and you have anyways you know the business mindset of knowing what works what doesn't work which is a worthy investment or not and the government may say that um, we are willing to match your investment in any company one to one so that you have a 50% you know rebate on that investment and you know in in singapore this happens where they match it and then at over time they can pull out uh, the investment at a small interest rate or even for free and you can you know so basically when if the company matures and you you know if that grows as a business you can repay back the government share and hold the equity that the government had initially i mean this is the sort of procurement you know investment innovation that you need yeah absolutely you're 100% right and i would say that in that kind of a strategy is most relevant when it comes to encouraging established industry to invest in the most difficult part of isro's challenge which is the procurement of the material as in the plates that they use right i mean the the kind of material that they are using currently nobody in india does right it's imported from some you know east european destinations and things like that right we don't even know where the material comes from so if you are to if you are to make this a make in india concept and we are already doing it from a fabrication side of it or a you know you know simple things like fasteners valves pipes all of that gets done in india but the largest part of the procurement which is your plates and your steel and your metal and whatever the alloys if you could in, in incentivize some of your big steel producers and mills and 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 established industries in india to start setting some of this up here in india through the through the mechanism that you mentioned i think that will go a long way in reducing our dependency of a very very crucial resource uh as time goes by and uh, because i know that at least on the defense side some uh, some steel mills in india some of the more established ones jindal and others have already started manufacturing materials uh, plates of very rare uh, materials from a defense side because they've seen the potential now with the whole atmanirbhar bharat program on the defense side that there's going to be a huge demand and scale up uh, for indigenization for cost optimization and that will have to come from buying a lot of the input material from within india and i think your your point is very well taken and me you know something like that would go a long way in 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 encouraging industry to put more capital asset on the ground in india so there's one big funding gap in india as far as i see for startups uh, you know 10 years ago there was hardly any investment into space startups in india over the last 10 years things have been evolving now a few companies have got a few you know maybe 1 or 2 million dollars maximum 5 uh, million dollars of investment maybe 30 40 crores the best companies best startups have gotten uh, maybe that kind of uh, funding but you know you cannot realize a full rocket or a full satellite system capability with that sort of an investment right you need you know maybe 100 plus crore kind of investment and 
in my opinion you know there are no institutional mechanisms in banks or others who will give any sort of investment like this anyways you know in in india for these companies and for me what i see is companies uh, let's say who are legacy large companies uh, you know maybe tatas or something like that or the hero group or you know some huge corporate group that has uh, hundreds of companies under them who have the you know balance sheets that can run in the thousands of crores may want to diversify and invest into these companies to have space as a area of investment for them and this might be the only source of capital for them so what do you think about this yeah i think look i think it's all a matter of time right we we i think we're living in a world where we've gotten so used to large sums of money coming from all the vcs and the pes into all of these uh you know uh, online and app based uh, platforms which are giving crazy valuations that uh, i think our patience levels have become a little low um you know the same thing happened with defense right uh, till 5 years ago nobody wanted to touch the defense sector uh, no big no big industry wanted to touch the defense sector okay and now we've seen that there is a huge amount of scalability in the defense uh, in the defense business there are a lot of foreign companies that want to come and play in the defense space in india and therefore a lot of the big groups are now putting money there okay we've seen it uh, i don't need to name them we know every big every big business house in this country has now a defense company so i think uh, space is going to go the same airspace will go the same route i think the i think everyone is in a is on a wait and watch uh, philosophy i've spoken to a lot of the big families as well as some of the uh, you know venture cap venture capitalists and angel investors and everyone's view is that until we see more progress on india's space policy that has just been announced a year ago uh, and we actually see some traction in rewriting the space rules and the rules of engagement with isro and how we'll use their facilities and all of that unless we see some movement there nobody is really going to throw the big money at uh, you know startups uh, and i don't think there's a need to i've talked to many players uh, you know and the ones who need the maximum amount of money i would say someone like a skyroot or a you know and we we've talked with 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 them a lot uh, they they the target right now over the next 2 years is yeah we need enough money to to do one or two successful launches and to do one or two successful launches it's it's quite easy uh, if if industries like ours participate to do a little bit of a bootstrapping model and so you don't need much capital per se and you and you use some sort of a bootstrapping model share some equity and you at least in the next year or two get the launch vehicle ready or you get the satellites ready or whatever business you're in and that's the time when you would have rewritten you know all the all the laws and the and the uh, 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 rules would have all been written down and only when people see that that traction is actually happening will the will then the business houses start really you know grabbing these uh, these startups and bringing them into our fold so i think i think it's inevitable and i think it's a matter of time but i think everyone who's doing a startup needs to have patience 
and not think that you're going to get spacex valuations today in india it's not going to happen right i mean what elon musk has created in 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 the united states of america is a one off uh from that point of view and that too has happened because of the amount of help nasa has given him right so we need to play that out isro is in the same mode they want to they want to collaborate and help startups succeed and it's it's a matter of time it'll happen but i think patience is 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 necessary most definitely one of the criticisms i have in that sense is that um, we don't see a conglomeration of uh, industry associations for space which can bring out a common voice for government policy makers to create the change as it is um you know what is your perspective on all of this do we see this happening now yeah i think it'll happen i think again it's a matter of time um you know we didn't have we didn't have bodies like this for defense either and now we have the society of indian defense manufacturers and we have we have a spec uh, you know fiki and cii both have a uh, both have a you know uh, a massive defense um, uh, council now which is doing a lot of this work on atmanirbhar and cii is doing a lot of work on the aerospace side uh, in fact the conference that i spoke at a, a few months ago i think was a oh, i don't want to i don't want to upset anyone but i think it was a cii conference um and uh, and uh, and it's happening and you know when i talk to a lot of these startups and i talk to lasser and tubro and and this is exactly the talk that we will create a chamber uh, and a council that will uh, work together to promote both the established players uh, um, um, business as well as give the startups the the strength and the you know hand on their head that they need to to build their businesses but uh, you're right it has been completely neglected because it was never needed right it was always valchanagar having to deal with isro or a lnt had to deal with isro and that's it and now there will be 30 players in the you know in the in the program and and so we do need to get together and and um, and uh, help in 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 creating policy and and this started right 6 7 months ago when industry was called not 6 7 months ago i'm sorry over a year ago when industry was called for a meet and we spent two days together and we all brainstormed on what we wanted the new space policy to be what were the key things that needed to be brought in there uh, and 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 isro has taken most of those suggestions into the final policy document that was then discussed with the uh, with the government and and uh, you know is now being ratified so so yes you're right it did, it didn't exist but i think the time is you know it's not far when this will happen how do you see you know you participating more aggressively in export uh, at the moment because um, you know from a lot of the legacy customer or industry base in india has isro as its core uh, customer and one of the challenges that i see is that uh, there's very little like b2b interaction especially when it comes to foreign exports uh, how do you see this evolving for you yeah um i'm not sure we will be doing too much export in the near future for space programs uh, across the world um i'm not sure the cost of manufacturing and then transporting the size of equipment that we make across the world 
may be uh, if cost effective uh, but it's something that we'll explore but we are definitely going to be playing a very big role in export our aero structures and maybe you know civilian and military aircraft business uh, more than the space launch vehicle business um because i think that is a lot more easier to handle and export and manufacture and export than the large size components that we make for launch vehicles uh having said that it is something that we are focusing on and our team here is examining um i just feel like the opportunity over the next 10 15 20 years in india is so big that um we would rather invest our capital and resources in ensuring that we maintain our leadership position there and scale those businesses up and and help our indian companies to become global right and and in that process if we therefore then start exporting that's a completely different uh, uh you know kettle of fish but uh, but most definitely our aero structures and aero uh, you know aircraft business um aero structure side we'll definitely look at export defense of course we 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 are already in talks with many companies to be part of their global supply chain so there i see lot of uh, lot of potential may not be immediate potential on the aerospace uh side of it frankly that's uh, that's a very interesting perspective i mean i am uh, very glad to hear that you know you see such uh, strong demand coming from india and also the the growth and the support that you want to give to all of these companies is very very laudable in that sense um and but as far as the new technologies are concerned there's a number of um, companies that are investing into additive manufacturing you know 3d printing kind of uh, technologies for rockets the most uh, flamboyant one in the media is the relativity space guys who want to 3d print entire uh, rocket engines and you know the entire rocket itself eventually or so on uh how real is this uh how ready is the market for all of this i think it's very real and i think if anyone thinks that 3d printing is not going to be the the future of uh of manufacturing many many things then uh they need to come out of hibernation immediately uh we are very clear that uh, that 3d printing in what we do is still a ways away uh but you know if if you listen to any anybody in singularity or any of these uh, exponential uh, uh concepts what you think is very far away and how fast it reaches you is are two different animals so we are not sleeping on it but i do believe that a lot of the things that we do cannot be 3d printed yes okay you can maybe 3d print one rocket engine but i don't think it can be 3d printed at scale and cost effectively yet that doesn't mean it's not going to be 3d printed at scale and cost effectively 5 years from now so we have to be on the ball we have to be absolutely at the cutting edge of all technology um we believe that our investment should be more in on the composite side today than on the 3d printing side because the uh, the catch up is going to be faster on the on the on the material side rather than on the process of manufacturing side but uh, we are definitely already uh, researching a lot on 3d printing i've even looked at a couple of 3d printing companies in india to uh, bring into the vulcan fold nothing has happened yet but most definitely and smaller parts for the launch vehicles though is anyway a no brainer um 
interestingly enough 3d printing can be very useful for us for manufacturing of uh, prototypes and sampling and even certain small size jigs and fixtures can potentially be 3d printed rather than manufactured the way we manufacture it so there could be a there could be um, a much faster uh, 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 help from 3d printing not so much on the product manufacturing side but on the back end uh, support side so uh, most definitely it is the way of the future um, again the materials matter whether you can actually 3d print in the materials that you may need uh, for space travel is questionable but all of that is going to evolve over time and it's ultimately it ultimately it's going to happen so uh, maybe not for 5 10 years but it's going to happen no question yeah and, uh, that's uh, definitely interesting you really touched upon this fact of uh, supporting startups in india and so on so uh, is this something that uh, you see at your personal capacity as a business leader for ralchan and also for your scale up effort you know through them or do you think that other business leaders like you who have been you know in doing business with isro for 50 years maybe gotrich and boys and you know lnt and others are they also of the same opinion that they will be investing in some of these companies i hope so um i mean i can't speak for them but uh, i do hope and i said it many times that it is actually our duty and responsibility to support entrepreneurs and startups to succeed in india because um and maybe i look at it differently being a third generation you know family business from a you know from a from a from a lineage that that comes from doing only for india and and not thinking about anything else and godrej family is exactly the same uh, uh, mr naik at lasar and turo is absolutely exactly the same from a mindset perspective and uh, i'm sure the rest of the team there is and i think i think we all have to realize that it is our fiduciary and and national duty to really uh, uh, find ways and means of of helping all of these startups grow and not worrying about creating competition for ourselves in the future um you know and i like i said isro did it to us 50 years ago if they hadn't held our hand for for 10 15 years we wouldn't be where we are today and uh, i want you know in my lifetime uh, over the next 20 years i mean i may we may not be in a position today because even as an organization we are coming out of a very difficult sort of time period and you know we're kind of just coming back on our feet may not be today but let's say 2 years from now we start or a year and a half from now we start and 20 25 years from now i want five companies in this country to come up to me and say you know what i want to thank you that you know you took me under your wing and you 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 mentored me or you gave us a chance and we are here here's where we are today and i think absolutely it is our responsibility to make it happen and i do hope that uh, you know the other companies and industry Uh, are thinking the in, on, on the same lines what has been the impact of uh, covid on your business and you know the production and uh, uh, and then you know what is what do you see as recovery yeah actually we've been pretty okay uh, i think we've blessed that uh, we only shut our factory for one month uh, uh, march 23rd to april 23rd and uh, i think we're a little bit uh, 
we are a little bit that way uh, like i said blessed that we are an isolated township far away from you know any of the big cities and all our employees live on campus with us so we were able to sort of uh, completely block all traffic into our complex and so the impact of covid and the cases on our employees and their families has been uh, uh, negligible if i may say so and uh, we've been running at full capacity we've you know we're continuing to deliver uh, uh, segments and uh, and uh, products to all our customers i think the government has done a phenomenal job of controlling this i know that there's lots in the room in the you know in the in the in the news of how the cases have risen and things like that but a population of 1 plus billion people uh, there is no way anyone can say anything about what measures our country and our government has taken to to protect us all um, you know and uh, and uh, isro has and drdo and all have been paying us on time taking material on time um, you know and they, it's, it's been business as usual for us so uh, i think we are very very lucky uh seeing the pain that a lot of people have gone through over the last 6 7 months uh i think we've been very lucky and i hope that um, everyone comes out of this uh sooner rather than later you know not just in india but globally because i think it's gone on for too long frankly right last couple of questions so one is uh, on talent uh, how do you see people you know uh the skill set of people matching the requirements you have uh, how do you see that uh, going further are there any openings for people to join you to ex- you know work on the exciting projects that you have yeah i think that's a big challenge um uh finding people finding ready made people out of our colleges and universities is difficult um uh, that's not to say that our universities and colleges are not good they're brilliant uh in some places i think our curriculums are a little outdated uh and need to be upgraded and i think a lot of colleges and universities are now doing that uh we have historically never recruited from international colleges uh we've usually been a indian uh you know an indian colleges uh and universities recruitment company but i am seeing a shift in lot of people who have studied abroad wanting to come back to india and get into doing the kind of exciting work that we do uh and you know including people who have studied aerospace engineering i even in you know had a chat with a young kid a couple of days ago who's actually studied aerospace engineering and and so i see both at the worker level and at the management and engineering level um uh, uh challenges in the curriculum and so we internally in walchnagar have a very robust training process and we put uh, both our worker trainees that we bring in at a worker level as well as our gets and our um, you know uh, our uh, mtechs that we bring in uh, at a management level a two year three year you know very deep training program to bring them up to speed with the with the processes and technologies that we have in walchnagar and uh, and then we uh, put them through the sort of process so so it is a it is one of the biggest focused area, focus areas for us going forward and with regards to openings yeah we are always looking for good people so i am more than happy to look at any resumes that people may want to send anyone who wants to come and work with walchnagar 
we are always looking for good people there is no there's no debate there and um, we're more than happy to look at uh, people who are keen to work in this as you rightly said extremely exciting time in a very exciting industry so the final question is um, what what do you see the future as the what is your projection or where the industry will stand where valchandagar will stand in 5 10 15 years yeah dif- <laughs> difficult to uh, difficult to be nostradamus here but uh, i you know i've uh, i think i think the space program in india is going to explode there's no debate about that i think it's already exploded i mean we we've seen it but i think the uh, you know not to be cliched but the sky is really not the limit and we got to go way beyond that and uh, i see in 10 15 years i see a lot more launch vehicles from private sector i see a lot more satellites in the sky owned by private companies and you know a leasing model being being structured i see uh, uh, i see an indian space station for sure i see us having traveled to many other planets and 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 areas and i see you see the one thing i've always said is what historically india has been 25 years behind the us and russia when it came to space exploration right i would say that we have narrowed that gap to maybe 10 years or maybe 15 years okay let's say 15 years we are still 10 to 15 years behind them because you know what they put a man in space in the 1960s and we're going to put a man or people in space in 2021 or 22 right so we are from that perspective 50 years behind but i would say just generally from a technology perspective we are 15 years behind i see that in 15 years we will cover up a large portion of these 15 years and i think our our scalability of technology and if and there's a big if here the government actually puts in place that environment for startups and for people to experiment and give them the freedom to experiment then and then only will i see this gap narrowing very quickly and india could potentially cover the gap and maybe we'll be maybe 5 years behind uh you know uh, say the us 15 years from now or you know 10 years from now so so i see a lot of good stuff i see valchanagar participating in all of these programs i see us hopefully making our own launch vehicle one day uh if not ourselves but maybe through a investment in a launch vehicle manufacturing company i definitely see us looking at uh space as a service as a as a business model it's a different kind of saas and um, um and i definitely see us um, participating in any large infrastructure um uh, product projects that may uh, occur uh, including if we are going to build our own space station in space then you know how that gets done and what the materials are and and how we can participate in that so so we are very ambitious as an organization uh it's good to have as jim jim collins says big hairy audacious goals i don't know how much we'll be able to achieve but uh, yeah we'll be there uh, leading for sure chirag sure, it's been uh, a really fun and uh, exciting and as well as you know almost a visionary 
uh, conversation and it's been so inf- insightful for me i think it's one of the best conversations i've had with anybody in india who has had a very you know long grown out uh, vision into what's happened in the previous past and what's going to happen in the future i thank you so much uh, for taking so, so much of your time in uh, having this conversation with me no narayan thank you for inviting me it's very kind of you i've uh, i, I got to tell you this is the first podcast i've ever done in my life so uh, and it is a it's a topic that is so 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 meaningful to me and uh, um and i thank you for you know inviting me and, and you know making this so interesting and allowing me to sort of speak my thoughts and i i hope we engage more in the future and uh, you know i look forward to the feedback that comes from you know from the you know from the podcast i hope your listeners enjoy uh, enjoy this and of course you know let them be feel free to contact me at any time whenever they need to i'm more than happy to answer more questions thank you thank you for staying until the end The New Space India podcast has recently started a Patreon account in order to collect your support to produce a documentary that captures the pioneering work done by many of the generation of scientists during the Sarabhai and the Satish Dhawan era. We believe that this will overcome the gap that none of the institutions in India have gone on to create a documentary style space history project. that captures both anecdotes and personal history of many of the pioneers of that generation please do check out the patreon account and do consider making a contribution that will help produce this documentary thank you for your contributions